welcome to a special exclusive episode of Inside Pop. To thank you for supporting Inside Pop and Maximum Fun, we are presenting you with an episode that only monthly members get to hear. You're special. And in honor of this very special episode, we're talking about pop culture perfection with special guest, fellow Max Fun host, Ben Harrison. Hey all, I'm Amita Patel. And I'm Sean David Johnson, and this is a very special episode of Inside Pop. Typically, we are your weekly dive inside the world of pop culture, but for this episode, we are your weekly dive inside the world of pop culture. This is a special episode, as we mentioned, that's just for the people who are monthly supporters of Maximum Fun. We appreciate you so much, and so this episode is just for you. We are going to begin our special episode with a chat Sean had with fellow Maximum Fun Network host Ben Harrison. That's right. Ben co-hosts the wildly popular Max Fun podcasts, The Greatest Generation and The Greatest Discovery, two amazing Star Trek podcasts. I asked Ben to choose something in pop culture that he thinks achieves perfection, and he decided to go with Captain Jean-Luc Picard himself as a perfect fictional leader. Let's take a listen to your conversation, and then we'll come back with some of our perfect pop culture picks. So we were talking about what perfect thing I could cite from the Star Trek universe. And um, I think a lot about Picard because he's like my favorite hero from television. And uh, I think he's kind of a unique hero in television. Maybe not so unique in Star Trek, but like we don't have that many heroes on TV or in movies like him these days. So... Uh, I, I feel like he's he's very special to me for that reason. Yeah, what do you think makes him so unique? Kind of generally, what makes Picard such a unique hero in your in your view? Well, we have a, a I think there's a big trend right now, especially to have heroes that really struggle with their own demons. There's a lot of antiheroes in pop culture right now, and a lot of you know heroes who. Uh, do heroic acts despite their kind of like the flaws that hold them back. And right. Picard definitely has things, you know, you know, he has skeletons in his closet. He fails. He has things about his family life and about his personal life that aren't great. But mostly he's just a good person who is trying to do you know, the best possible thing given a set of challenging circumstances. And uh, I think he sort of rises to the level of hero because of the way he comports himself in those situations. You know, he's he's a hero, uh, an intellectual hero, and uh, not so much a, an action hero, you know. I mean, he can punch a guy if he needs to, but <laughs> right, right. Mo mostly he's he's like fighting for you know, the ideals of democracy and self-determination and inclusivity and uh, and all things that I think we can all get behind. So <laughs> Now more than ever. Yeah. <laughs> Picard, where are you when we need you? <laughs> right. uh, well, yeah, I, I think it's interesting because I it had been a while since I'd watched uh, a Next Generation episode from start to finish. And 
I think you put you you know you 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 nailed it when you say that he there's something refreshing about watching him now because he is not an antihero and it's interesting how he is this not perfect person right he he does have his flaws but how over the course of the seven seasons there are things that kind of chip away at maybe how he initially presented himself and so you see mm-hmm. the flaws and he actually goes through so many things that right. that that injure him and and that he has to kind of rise above and and rise to meet those challenges so it's interesting yeah yeah, yeah that's one of the things that I love about him as well it's it's sort of inevitable that he would be chipped away at over the course of seven seasons that have 24 25 episodes apiece <laughs> right right <laughs> Which also seems absurd now that they would actually, you know, create twenty four episodes per season. You know, yeah. If 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 the next generation were to be produced today, I'm sure it would be one of those, you know, a thirteen episode season. Yeah, yeah. We we spend a lot of time on our show, especially in the first two seasons, going, "Why did they renew this?" Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the the plurality of episodes in seasons one and two are pretty bad and Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's kind of amazing that networks were willing to let shows figure out what they were for as long as they as they did back then i mean it's a it's it's pretty remarkable there's a lot of star trek (laughs) there is a lot of star trek and inevitably a lot of less than perfect episodes (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. So so that's that 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 makes me think of a good question which is the series was 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 obviously finding its feet in those first couple of seasons. When do you think the character of Picard kind of formed as the hero that that you love so much today? Like was do you think you know was Picard um kind of immediately out of the gate uh, a, a, you know a hero kind of a perfect leader or when when do you think that character found his footing? Well, that's a that's a really tough question. I mean, I think that Patrick Stewart made some really strong decisions very early that made it a made Picard what he is. Um, another thing we talk about on our show is like how do you kind of how do you erect canon around a character on this show when there are so many episodes and so many opportunities for mistakes to be made? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we just reviewed an episode where the character Worf says something that is just disgustingly sexist. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, you kind of don't want Worf to be a sexist because in most episodes he is not walking around being uh, a total misogynist to the women that he interacts with. But when he says that, you know, he says something like that, it's like in the show, you can't like un have him say that. So, so I guess you have to like kind of take the good with the bad and uh and i guess i guess my idea of picard probably just emerges from the things that i like about him over the course of of the series and so i brought three examples of scenes and situations that uh i think kind of illustrate uh what i think is so amazing about him but i will totally concede that there are <laughs> counter examples to these things and um 
other episodes that detract somewhat from <laughs> what I want to believe is the real Picard. <laughs> Listen, we'll ignore those episodes uh, for now. So, well, let's get started. I, I, I'm really excited to talk about these. So these three examples, which illustrate Picard as a perfect leader, a perfect hero, um, or perfect moments of Picard being a, a leader and a hero. Let's, uh, yeah. 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 So, so um, you wanted to start off with, uh, the episode Darmok from season five. Yeah, so this is this is an episode that gets pretty controversial for people because it's about a race of aliens that speak entirely in metaphor. So they're speaking in English, but about myths and legends that the Enterprise crew has no context for. So when they cite Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra, they're talking about a an act of peacemaking or of you know establishing a foothold on which a, a relationship can be built and to the enterprise crew it just sounds like nonsense mm-hmm. so um picard is sort of kidnapped by the captain of the tamarians the uh, these aliens and they are stuck on this planet together and the the whole, the whole tension in the episode is can Picard figure out what the heck this guy is talking about in time for them to not get killed by this terrifying alien that's also on the planet with them. And meanwhile, the Enterprise crew is desperately trying to save their captain from what they perceive to be just a naked kidnapping. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think the, like the part that I really wanted to talk about uh, from this episode is uh, toward the end of it. Um, I think it may be the, even the last scene. Um, they've rescued Picard, but the Temerian captain was killed in the in the process. Um, and Picard, nonetheless, was able to put together what was going on. And so they, they spend a night, one night, um, talking about myths and legends from their respective cultures. You know, Picard tells uh, the Temerian captain the epic of Gilgamesh, I think. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and the Temerian captain tells Picard about Darmok and Jalad, who are two characters from some Temerian legend who met up on an island, fought a beast, and uh, left the island together as friends. And uh, that's sort of what the Temerian captain is going for in erecting this scenario. And the scene at the end, Riker and Picard are hanging out in Picard's office and Picard is speaking with just deep reverence for the act that the Temerian captain undertook to build that initial bridge between their two cultures because it's it's something that he admires so much. The Temerian captain literally gives his life to connect with another people. And, uh, I mean, like it's, 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 uh, silly to talk about Picard as though he's a real person, (laughs) but, uh, you know, like I, I think that that's so illustrative of, of what his values are, you know, um, he, he really admires this incredible sacrifice that this guy made. And, you know, you think about it from the side, the, the other side, you know, the Federation, they have a pretty easy time getting in touch with other cultures and maybe they have their differences sometimes they don't have great relationships with other aliens but these Temerians, because of the way they communicate they must be going flying around the galaxy just having 
<laughs> such a confusing time. Try, they're like, everybody else is talking to each other, and we can't talk to anybody. What is going on? And I love how those <laughs> actors who play the Temerians play it, because they are just, so at the beginning of the episode, so annoyed and frustrated. They're like, why <laughs> yeah. aren't these dummies understanding us? <laughs> yeah, and there's like real difference of opinion that you can see in the Temerian bridge. Like, There's like a bunch of people serving on their bridge just the way there are on the enterprise and they're like arguing among themselves about what the best course of action is. Mm -hmm. Like there's one guy you can't understand a thing he's saying, but what he's clearly saying is like, all right, we came out here. We still can't understand these idiots. Let's go home. This is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) And the captain, the Temerian captain is like, no, I really insist. Like we have to start communicating with these people if we're going to share a galaxy with them. Right. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And you, and watching the episode a second time, it all plays true, right? You kind of yeah. you get the inflection and the intonation and and the meaning of what they're saying, especially after you, along with Picard, learn what Darmok and Jalada Tanagra and Shaka when the walls fell and all of those sayings mean. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I, th- I think that's my... If if I If I was going to introduce somebody to the character of Picard as a, as a great... As a great television hero, I think that that's probably the first episode I would cite, um, just because it kind of it gives a baseline for what he's all about. He's he is, you know, like there's all these points in the episode where somebody's handing him a knife, and he's like, "I don't want to use a knife. I I want to talk to you." <laughs> And what he doesn't understand is that that guy wants him to use a knife to defend himself against a terrifying monster. <laughs> right, right. Oh, he'll discover that soon enough. Yeah. And I, yeah, I love the fact that it is, it's all about, or almost all about, Picard's use of his intellect and his diplomacy. Mm-hmm. And I really, I really love episodes and moments where Picard is separated from the rest of his crew, which is interesting thinking about Picard as a leader, you want to see him lead. And there are great moments of him leading his crew. But I, but I realized rewatching this episode, I really do love the times where you see Picard away from his crew. And so then he has to be independent and he can't rely on them. And so that's interesting. I'm seeing his leadership skills and his abilities and just his, his heroism as an independent being apart from the enterprise i think it's a terrific episode and uh it's i mean you you do have to swallow this pill of these aliens speak in this weird way and uh there's there's a lot of people that aren't willing to go that far and uh i guess i i get that but uh, i think if you can look past it it's 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 a fun metaphor yeah. so to speak <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly um you know i read somewhere that rick berman hated the idea of the episode and and michael pillar rick berman who is the executive producer and michael pillar who i guess had a co-ep credit or he had to report to rick berman do you know that yeah i think michael pillar was the head writer but maybe had an ep credit also okay okay uh, but i may be making that up yeah but i know that michael <laughs> i read that michael pillar what, you know, it took him about two years to get this episode approved and written and completed. And Rick Berman, the EP, just hated the idea. And <laughs> Michael Pillar really had to kind of push through and 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 convince Berman that this was something worth trying. 
Yeah. Also, a shout out to Paul Winfield, who plays the Temerian captain, who is yeah. sadly no longer with us. But what a, a really job. terrific performance. Yeah. And uh, he's also, I think, the captain on the Reliant when they uh, in the Wrath of Khan. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, good he's got trivia. Some, <laughs> he's got some Star Trek, uh, some Star Trek cred. Yeah, exactly. That is good. I'll remember that from my next Star Trek trivia night. <laughs> it's got to be hard to act through that much makeup on your face, but he really like it's it's totally a great performance. Yeah, you see his frustration, and then but also to act not in English for the entire time. Right. Right. Just like acting through metaphor. So yeah, that was pretty amazing. So I th- I I think you've made your case very well. <laughs> uh, Picard as, as as a perfect hero and a perfect leader. I think that it is. I, I mean, we 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 spoke about this a little bit earlier, but the uh, the relevancy to today, um, how, yeah. how it speaks. I mean, sci-fi is metaphor, and how so many of the metaphorical stories presented in the Next Generation twenty years ago are feeling quite relevant today. Yeah, yeah. I mean. The idea of a leader that does his homework just by itself is, (laughs) (laughs) oh, this guy lives in reality and verifies his, uh, his assumptions. (laughs) That feels really, (laughs) that would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) What a comforting aspirational character. Yeah. So first of all, if you want to hear more of Ben's insight and wit, make sure to check out the greatest generation the greatest discovery and a new podcast friendly fire all co-hosted by ben and all on maximum fun so amita what did you think i know that you're not a super trekkie or trekker uh, but what did you think of ben's defense of his choice of uh, captain jean-luc picard as a as, as as an example of a perfect leader a perfect fictional character who is a leader uh, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed both of your collective knowledge about Star Trek and and hearing a little bit more about how not every episode he was um, with the entire crew, but it was at the moments that he was alone that you really you really cherished more and you got to get more of his personality. And you know, um, he may have not always had shining moments and the show may not have had always shining moments but he's still held in high regard by by ben and by you and probably by many fans and uh as somebody who doesn't faithfully or not really have ever faithfully watched star trek it's interesting to me to see to hear you guys kind of dissect that one episode because i definitely love the metaphor that you guys kind of made for our current climate from Mm, that and now i want to watch that episode (laughs) it's such a good episode and it's i mean you'll watch the episode and you'll want to just speak in metaphor speaking of metaphors uh sean and amita (laughs) at microphones so (laughs) you know it's funny as i was looking at you kept saying darmok and i was like is that comrade backwards is that this little clue right now uh to this this character and then um, speaking in metaphors, the the aliens that spoke in metaphors made me think of A Wrinkle in Time because Mindy Kaling, Kaling's character speaks in um, profound and popular quotes by people. So she would do like a roomy quote and she would do, uh, you know, a, a quote by Maya Angelou or something. And that was how that was most of her dialogue in the film. 
Um, so it was interesting kind of just thinking of that and trying to decipher somebody's point when they're not really speaking the true language. Yeah, the episodes really, it feels like a mystery in a way. It's like the mystery of what the yeah. hell these aliens are saying and then the, and, and a mystery that Captain Jean-Luc Picard needs to solve. So, and it, yeah, it's done really well. And when, when, I, when I spoke to Ben and he told me that that was one of the episodes he wanted to discuss, I was super excited because I had loved that episode, I don't know, 15 years ago when it first came out. And so I was excited to rewatch it and, and really excited about his pick of Captain Jean-Luc Picard as a perfect leader. Uh, and I, I think it's a fun it's a fun conversation to have what is perfect. Some people just don't want to say it. Some people, you know, there's a belief that there is no such thing as perfection. Um, I would disagree. I think it's, 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 it's fun to achieve perfection. And I feel like a lot of creators of culture and art have achieved it. Basically, however you de- decide to define it. So um, it's, 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 it's a yeah. fun thing to talk about. Yeah, I think that you got you hit it right on the, the head there. It's, it's how you define perfection and how this thing fits into that definition. It's not perfect is this one thing that I think a lot of society believes. It's flawless. It's perfect. It's all, you know, everything to everyone and everyone admires it because it's perfection. It doesn't have to be that definition and that true definition. Well, you know, Amita, you know how I love putting you on the spot on our weekly podcast about (laughs) pop culture, Inside Pop. Listen to it. Um, So I have to ask, uh, you know, um, I would love to hear your pick. Is there something in pop culture that you think achieves perfection? And then I would love to hear how you define perfection when it comes to pop culture or art. Uh, Yes. So I was thinking about something in pop culture that I felt was perfect. And I really wanted to think of not just, you know, there was things that was like an album that was perfect, that felt like perfect from beginning to end. Or I tried to think of a film, you know, and and that was a little harder because, you know, film's just a little longer thing and there's like always so many different pieces to a film that could make it good or bad or perfect. Uh, And I kept going back to um, a couple. And so my pick for pop culture perfection is Coach Taylor and Tammy Taylor from Friday Night Lights. I believe that they were the epitome of a perfect television couple. Oh, I like that choice. I like that choice a lot. A perfect television couple. Uh, what 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 makes them perfect in your opinion? Uh, I think that. First of all, if anybody knows, Friday Night Lights is is one of, I would say, a top 15, top 10 show for most people. It was a wonderful uh, show that really kind of meant a lot to many different people in different ways because it had this like small town feel, but there was football involved and then all these different storylines of all the, the people in this town. And Tammy and Coach Eric Taylor were the heart of the show. You know, and I think their love, their connection, the strength of their relationship, no matter what they faced, didn't really waver. You know, there was times where they didn't get along. There were times where they they challenged each other, but it was okay. And you saw a really true, mature relationship that had ups and downs, that faced obstacles, but 
they were best friends when they faced it. He also really, it was, it was also a very supportive couple, you know, Tammy was pregnant and you know, he had to be away for most of her pregnancy, but their relationship survived that. He supported her, you know, through going back to work. And if he had an issue, he wanted her opinion. It wasn't just him working through whatever he was going through with the team. He really went to her and he was vulnerable with her. And that's not often seen. And I, I really, really really just I think it's almost like couple goals right like this is something that I think most people want in in a relationship and I felt like I saw that so that's perfect to me (laughs) and and I I, yeah I I agree with you I think there's something about the way that this these two characters were created and portrayed and written that so many different types of people connect to i know a lot of guys who love their relationship i know a lot of women who love their relationship people from different racial groups and sexualities and just i think everyone looks towards the depiction of these two fictional people as relationship goals and i think one of the things that really helps is that you do get to see them fight you do get to see times where they don't really drift apart i think you always know they are ride or die but there are, you you also get to see them be real people and you see that coach taylor can be a typical guy sometimes and not communicate in the best way and carry a grudge and you so i think you see them working through their very normal faults and that makes them even better that they work yeah. through them and that they're still this loving couple Right. They're fallible. You know, they, they do have things that, like you said, he can be macho and, and hold a grudge. And but then when Tammy, you know, catches wind of that, she'll call him out. You know, she'll try to work through that with him. And, and that's the piece that you don't see often that you, you kind of it, it's nice to know that he can go to her and she can go to him and they can really be um, collaborative in helping each other through whatever it is that they're facing. And, you know, like I said, um, it's just relationship goals. Like why, what, who wouldn't want that, that equal, you know? And it was, I felt like it was a true equal, a true partner. That's great. I, I agree with you. I think it's such a, it's, it's such a perfect depiction of, of the mm-hmm. ideal couple, but, but yeah, ideal couple, perfect depiction of it. Um, great acting. And uh, wonderful choice, Amita. Love it. Love it. Thanks. And if you guys don't know our podcast, you should. I usually start or end the podcast by saying, hey, y'all. And that is my my little nod to Tammy Taylor. So what about you, Sean? Is there something in pop culture that you would describe as perfect? I have a few things. I've thought about this a lot um, throughout my life, things that I call perfect. Um, you know, So one of the things that I... When I when I think about something that's perfect, I think a lot about something standing the test of time. You know, I think there, especially when it comes to well, actually everything. But when I think about some music that I loved when it first came out, and it's like it's okay now, but I don't love it as much. So I think for me, um, I'm happy to call something perfect right away. Like I call Solange's "Cranes in the Sky" a perfect soul song, um, and I hope I feel that way ten years from now. 
But uh, so I want to talk about a couple of well, no, I'm going to talk about one thing. <laughs> um, I'll talk about one thing that I think is because there are a few things I want to talk about. Um, I'll I'll just mention one in passing. So, for example, like you were saying, a movie is tough because it really has to be right on from start to finish. But I'm going to call out a Mm -hmm. TV show episode that I think – I think there have been a couple of perfect TV show episodes. I would say the Mad Men episode, The Suitcase, is a perfect episode. I would say that Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Once More with Feeling, which was the musical episode, perfect. And I say that – Knowing that not all of those actors had great voices, but even in the imperfection of their ability to sing, perfection was achieved. And I could go on and on and on about that. You know I could go on about Buffy. But for my deep dive into perfection, I'm going to choose one of the great ballads of our time by Mr. Prince Rogers Nelson, Adore. I think Adore is a perfect love song and a perfect ballad. Um, I think that it is probably one of the most challenging songs in general ever written. I mean, the tempo changes. Sometimes he's speaking. Sometimes he's singing. The song is all over the place, but it works so well. And I think one of the things to me um, that makes it perfect is because it's so frigging ambitious. He sets out to just give you this musical overload of, of a number of styles put it put all put into one song and i think the song is equally it's 50% about love and 50% about lust and and i feel like like you were saying relationship goals i feel like that's the relationship goal as, as well you want your partner to lust after you as much as you want them to love you and i feel like that song yeah. just hits both hard at the same time and it's just great uh what do you think about prince's adore amita uh you kind of encapsulated everything for the me for that song it's it's such a beautiful and all-encompassing love letter about just love right it, it's it's really taking every piece of of emotion that you can have with love and really putting it in one song and it's prince like so much of his music circles around love and lust and and this one song i feel like was kind of like the peak of that that um merge of the two and I think this song is so brilliant that if you were to poll 10 different people who like who who love Adore and you were to say, well, what's the very best moment of Adore? I think you might get 10 different answers because the song has not one climax, not two climaxes. Let's say the song has multiple climaxes, if you know what I'm trying to allude to. <laughs> but, you know, like for me, it's just like that moment towards the end where he reaches this ridiculously high falsetto and he sings you don't know what you mean to me. It's like after like all this like crashing and singing and uh, and then it just slows down a little bit and he just sings. I'm not even going to try to sing it right now, but he just sings that line. You don't know what you mean to me. And you're like, Oh Lord. Yeah. Uh, done. Um, as, as Michelle Buteau would say, it's a panties <laughs> off situation. It's a panties off situation. <laughs> Um, is, is there, is there like, what, like, what's your favorite moment in a door? Is there like a moment in a door where you're just like, okay, stop it, Prince right now. 
Um, you know, honestly, the beginning gets me because it's just this declaration. You know, it's like mm-hmm. um, when a song starts off super, super strong like that, where it's he says, uh, until the end of time, I'll be there for you. You own my heart and mind. You own my heart and mind. If like, God one day ah! struck me blind, your beauty, I'd still see. OK, calm down, everyone. Yeah. You special listeners. Yeah. Calm down. It's OK. Hmm. Right, and then so like that's like so that that first like you know just uh, opening is is super romantic and like just adoration adore right, but then <laughs> like the next like verse is like in a word you were sex and it was like okay okay we'll go there would, too yeah and I would say another for me another reason why I would call the song perfect is because I don't want to hear a cover of this. I, I feel like that song has achieved the, that song, you know, wherever songs come from, do they come from the heavens? Do they come from where do, wherever songs come from that song achieved its perfect state in this Prince version. I don't want to hear another version. And I won't, I won't say that about every Prince song. I mean, I love, for example, we talked about this on our show a few weeks ago. I love all the different covers of Sometimes It Snows in April. I loved Roman Jean Arthur performing Let's Go Crazy Live. Uh, I don't need to mm. hear anybody, not Maxwell, not Miguel, not Mary J. Blige, not any. I don't need anyone to to do Adore that song has achieved its perfect state in Prince's delivery. No one needs to do it or try it. I will stop you if you do try. Yeah, that, I think that, that that gets to the point of perfection, right? Yep. Yeah. That's, that's a mic drop performance right there, guys. <laughs> so we, I mean, yeah, so we've been talking a lot. But listen, we would love to hear... This is such a fun thing to talk about and debate. So please join us. Uh, We would love to hear what you think, basically about this whole episode, and also about the idea of perfection in pop culture. So you can always tweet us at Pop Insiders, and you can also find us on Instagram as well, at Pop Insiders. And yeah, please let us know, what perfect thing from pop culture do you want to shout out? Let us know. And of course, thank you again for being a supporter of Inside Pop and Maximum Fun. Please make sure to listen to us every week. We drop on Wednesdays and hear us talk about pop culture that we think is at least near perfect. Yeah, we also do a lot of fun things throughout the weeks on our show. Uh, We have something called The Big Sell. Every week, we recommend something from the world of pop culture to the other, and then we rate and review it the following week. And that just becomes a vicious cycle that will take us until the end of time. Anything that we are enjoying, consuming, and can't stop talking about, we, we discuss on this podcast. So there's something for everyone. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week on Inside Pop. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.